0: If you brought a Bible, I would like to ask you to go with me to the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, the very last chapter, chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17 this morning. In our series this morning, as we talk about this great subject matter of the church. And uh, I have read to you a passage out of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. It is God's last message to man before the closing of the canon of the scriptures. And we find in this verse that we read, verse 17 of chapter 22, the cry of the church. And so today I want to speak to you about the cry of the church. What is the longing? The dire desire of the church. And I want to first of all preface this by saying that the church of Jesus Christ is part of a love story. It's part of the greatest love story that has ever been written and is still being written to this day. We read in the text that there is the spirit and the bride. And the Bible speaks of the church of Jesus Christ, you and I, all of us in our various ministries and giftings and callings, all of us in our various backgrounds, and all of us in in our diverse ways that we can serve the Lord. We are and have been called by God, the Bride of Christ. We have been the fortunate and blessed people To be called into fellowship with God. And so I want to tell you a little bit about this love story that you and I are a part of. If you would, just tell your neighbor, I am part of a love story. You are the center of this uh, text this morning. In a sense, the bride is the, uh, the, the representative, the body of Christ physically on the earth. Most of the people in the world, if they ever see Christ, they'll see Him through you and I. And as the Bible describes the church, it describes the church as the temple of God and that we are. It describes the church as the body of Christ and that we are. But this morning I want to focus on this this title we have been given as the Bride of Christ. We see the Bride of Christ in the book of Revelation. We see her dressed in a beautiful white garment. The book of Revelation chapter 19 tells us is the righteousness of God. The church is dressed in beauty and in majesty, a a bride so pure and so clean as to defy all the brides who will ever walk down the aisle of a church. I know, ladies, that when you were married, you were the most beautiful bride your husband had ever seen. But did you know that in in presenting yourself at the altar of a church in a a glowing white garment, you were just just merely representing the day which will come when the church of Jesus Christ in radiant glory will stand before her beloved bridegroom. This bride is a part of a love story that is unlikely and unexpected. Because you see, she was not a worthy bride. She did not have the background that would qualify her to be a king's bride. She did not have the bloodline or the lineage that would qualify her to become the bride of the Son of God. You see, when you inspect the history of the church, you will find that the church, in fact, is a remnant of people who have been drawn out of brokenness and bondage and ruin. When you see the church, you see a people who have been graciously called by God into a higher life to a life beyond that which can be known or offered by human means. And so when you and I think of ourselves, and we may think of ourselves as unworthy and that we were because we were lost in sin without hope and without God in the world. The prophet Isaiah describes us as a brand plucked out of the fire. We were already being consumed. We were already under the wrath of God. We were already In our sin and from that place of wreckage and ruin Jesus reached in and he salvaged a bride for himself. I don't know where you came from this morning but I have a sense that some of you could tell me some stories and some of you had. Stories of what your life was like before Christ. Oh, the times that I have heard stories and often with tears in your eyes, if you have recounted the places that you have been, the valleys that you have seen, the darkness and the ruin, things that you are ashamed to speak of, perhaps the the, the things that you did in the past that you wish would never be recalled by your memory or your mind. But today you stand as the righteous church of Jesus Christ because Jesus is the bridegroom and you are the bride. Often we forget where He brought us from and what that was like and what it could have been if it had continued. But just in the nick of time, as if, uh, as if clockwork, He reached out and saved your soul. And He changed your heart and your mind and He brought repentance to your spirit and you became a child of God. Oh, to be the bride of Christ. The Bible says that she stands in chapter 19 of Revelation at the marriage supper of the Lamb dressed in radiant white because of the righteousness of Christ. Can I tell you, friend, that you and I are the bride of Christ and our garments are pure and white before God, not because you and I are good. Because we are not. Not because you and I are worthy. Because we are not. Not because you and I are sufficient. Because we are not. But you and I stand with the righteousness of God. Because Jesus Christ shed his blood. For the forgiveness of our sin. And has washed it away. And made us clean. Somebody ought to give God praise. For his precious blood. The blood of Jesus. Friend. The blood of Jesus alone. Can cleanse The sinner. There is cleansing today. You say, but pastor, you don't know my shame. I don't know your shame, but I know the Savior and He is able to cover your shame and to make you right before God. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. For the Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience from dead works, so that we can serve the living God. There is a soap so powerful that it can destroy the power of, st- of the stain of sin. It is the, it is the soap provided at the cross through the blood of Jesus Christ. Would you be clean from the burden of sin? There is power in the blood. Would you over sin a victory win? There is wonderful power in the blood. Friend, there is no place for you to become right with God except through the blood of Jesus Christ at the cross. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is is salvation in Jesus Christ. Today you all look great. You look awesome there's no people as beautiful as god's people and i'm in the pulpit i can't lie some of you are wearing a suit and tie some of you are wearing a Kingsway usher shirt and yet when you think about where you were you think my what a mighty long way god has brought me come on i'm talking to a church you're acting like you don't remember You're acting like you don't remember the place you were. But friend, you may not be where you're going, but at least you're not where you started out. Thank God for the grace of Jesus. Thank God for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The Bible said the spirit and the bride. There's a second person that we speak of here. We have the bride. And then, of course, if you're going to have a bride, you have to have a bridegroom. In America, in American weddings, the bride gets all the attention. Can I speak for a moment about the bridegroom? Can I speak for a moment of he who stands waiting for his bride? Oh, because you see, the bride is beautiful, but she was made beautiful because of the bridegroom. She was made beautiful because of Jesus Christ the bridegroom. If the church is the representing is represented by a bride, Jesus is represented by a bridegroom. He is the glorious son of God. There is no, no one who can compare to him for he is absolutely unique in human history. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinlessly perfect life. He walked among men and yet never became stained by their sin. He was the healer of the sick. He was the repairer of the broken heart. He was the teacher of the ways of God. He was the word of God made flesh. This bridegroom is like no other. For His righteousness exceeds all of the righteousness of men. For He is not only a man, but He is very God. So much God as if He were not a man. And so much a man as if He were not God. He is the centerpiece of human history. For by His name we divide that history that came before Christ and that history which came after Him. He is the centerpiece of the Bible. He is the theme and thread of every text of Scripture. In the books of the law, we see him as the lawgiver. In the books of history, we see him as the king of kings. In the book of poetry and wisdom, we see him as the wisdom and the knowledge of God. In the books of the prophets, we see him as he who would come, the Messiah. In the gospels, we see him as the lamb of God made flesh. In the book of Acts, we see him as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. In the letters by the apostles, we see him as the subject. and and content of God's word and in the book of Revelation we see him as king of kings and lord of lords the last time he came he came humbly dressed in human flesh concealing his divinity and his deity we see him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and we see him humble and we we see him low but the next time we see him I said the next time we see him we will see him in radiance and in glory in power and in might we will see him who at whose name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ not Buddha Jesus Christ not Krishna Jesus Christ not Allah Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father yeah. hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. Just give me Jesus. You Just give me Jesus. You can have all the celebrities. You can have all the politicians. You can have all the preachers. Give me Jesus. The bridegroom. The glorious son of God. He said. The night before his crucifixion. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He said, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. He speaks there as a Jewish bridegroom. Who according to the Jewish ancient custom custom of the bridegroom would be espoused to a wife. And Unlike the American tradition or the, or the Latin American tradition uh, in the Jewish tradition in the ancient days, when a bridegroom was espoused to a wife, he would leave her in her father's house. And he would go away to build a room unto his father's house for he and his bride to go and dwell. There was no particular date set for the wedding except that the bride had to be ready for the coming of the bridegroom. He would come at an unexpected hour at times. Sometimes in his zeal, as that young bridegroom would would finish the project of building a house for his bride, he would take his band of brothers and go into the streets in a parade and go and pick up the bride for the wedding. Jesus, when He says, I will come again, He's saying to the church, I am going to prepare a place for you. As a bridegroom goes to prepare a place for his bride in his father's house, so Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you and I in our father's house. He said, so that where I am, there you may be also. The bride and the bridegroom are a part of this story. We see another figure in this text, don't we? For the Bible said, the Spirit and the bride. Also, the night before His crucifixion, Jesus said to the disciples, He said, it is necessary that I go, because if I go, I will send to you another Comforter. And He will be with you, and He will be in you. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what gives life to this church. The Holy Spirit is what gives life to any church. Friend, there is no life outside of the Spirit of God. The Bible said that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness hovered, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the spirit of God hovered upon the waters. It was the Holy Spirit who was present at creation. And gave life to the creation. and So it was that on the day of Pentecost. Two thousand or so years ago. That the church was born. The, bo- the church was born not at the arrival of, a, of a, philosoph- a philosophical system. The church was not born at the arrival of a, of a concept or an idea. The church was not born at the birth of a man. But the church was born at the arrival of the Holy Spirit. So it is that no church can have life except by the presence of the Holy Spirit. This church has no future except by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And no church has any future except by the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that gives life to the church. And can I tell you, you and I were dead in spirit. Without hope and without God. Far away from God strangers from the covenants of Israel and we had no access to God until the Spirit of God by the power and grace of God came to indwell our hearts and so now you have been indwelled by the Spirit of Made your, your if you put your faith in Christ and that is what gives you spiritual life there is no spiritual life outside of the Holy Spirit there is no, no way for a man to live a godly life apart from the indwelling work of the Holy Ghost he is alive and well in the heart of the believer friend you will try in vain to live for God without God The only way that you can live for God is by the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you. And this is the promise of the Word of God. He says this in His Word. He said, the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is at work inside of you. Did you hear that this morning? The same Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is operating On the inside of you, there is resurrection power alive on the inside of the believer. Somebody ought to give God praise for the Spirit of God. So The Spirit and the bride are here on earth. The bridegroom is in heaven. What is the Spirit doing? First of all, He's preparing the bride. He's consecrating the bride. He's cleansing the bride. Say this with me this morning. Holy Spirit, Spirit, do your work in me. me. That needs to be our prayer daily. Holy Spirit, do your work in me. Prepare me for Christ. Prepare me for heaven. Prepare me for the day of His coming. Prepare me for the work that you have for me to do here on earth. The Holy Spirit has come. He's been given as a gift that you and I might do the work that God has called us to do. We have been indwelled by this power so that we might do the works of God on earth. And so the Spirit of God comes to prepare the church. He also comes to assist the church. He comes to assist the believer. As I spoke to you last week, one of the great ways that the Spirit assists us is by helping us to pray. Because we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Holy Spirit teaches us to pray. The Holy Spirit prays through us. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. The Holy Spirit knows the will of God. And guess what? The Holy Spirit also knows the schemes of the devil. And so when you pray in the Spirit, by the help of the Spirit, you are praying an effective prayer. Prayer. You're praying a powerful prayer. There is a, there is a, a force a, a greater than that of nature. It is the very power of God praying through the believer. Have you ever heard a prayer that just seemed to shake the room? That's that kind of prayer that's offered by the Spirit of God. He comes to help the church be the church. He's come to do that work. Which you and I cannot do apart from him. So, the Spirit and the bride, do we have a task? The Holy Spirit and the church are in great communion for a specific objective. What is the work of the Holy Spirit in the church today? What is the aim of the Holy Spirit in the church today? Is it that you and I might be comfortable in our religion? There is a cry that emanates from the church to heaven. A prayer that rises from heaven to earth by the power of the Holy Spirit praying through the church. Here is the first cry. The Bible said the Spirit and the bride say come. The church by the power of the Holy Spirit is is crying out with an invitation to the world. Come. Come. This is the cry of the church. It ought to be the cry of every Christian heart to say to the lost, come. Genesis 7-1, we read in God's word that the Lord said to Noah, come you and your family into the ark. It is a call to a place of salvation, to a place of safety. This is the task and responsibility of the church to issue that great and glorious and wide invitation to say to the sinner, come. Come and be saved. Come and be healed. Come and be set free. Come and be delivered. Can I tell you today, friend, are you far from God Come. Are you backslidden? Come. Are you lost in your sin? Come. Come to Jesus. He is the Savior of the soul. (laughs) Numbers chapter 10, verse 29. We read another invitation. It It is an invitation to come to a place of fellowship with God. To come to a place of communion with God. Did you know that you can know God? Did you know that you can know God? Amen. He wants to know you. And He wants you to know Him. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. We read another invitation. He says, come and let us reason together. God invites you today. And He uses the voice of this preacher. The voice of the church even throughout the generations to say to you, come and let us reason together. Let us talk Let us discuss these matters of your heart. Friend, you have been invited to sit at the table with God. He says, for though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be white as snow. Though it be red like crimson, it shall be as wool. This is God's invitation to the broken and abused, abused and the battered and the sinful. He says, come whosoever will, let him come. Come and buy and eat without money and without cost, Isaiah 55, 1. In Matthew, 20, Matthew 11, verse 28, we read another invitation. Here Jesus says, Come, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It is an invitation to find rest, and you can only find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we read in Matthew 22, verse 4. I love this passage. Jesus relates the story of a king who made a great dinner, a great feast. He said, go. And he he, he told his servants, go and tell them which we have invited. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted cow are killed and all things are ready. Come to the marriage feast. God today calls you to a finished work. He says, come. When I was a little boy, my parents were traveling in Mexico, and they invited us to eat cabrito. Anybody in here know what cabrito is? It's kid goat. Mm, You're hungry now. It's all right. It's early. Shorties will wait for you. Well, when we arrived for the cabrito, they were just then killing it. And when you're nine years old and you're hungry, that was a very discouraging experience for me. But this invitation, the Lord says, come, the fatted calf's already been roasted. The barbecue's already been cooked. The the beans and the rice and the tortillas are set. The glory of the table is done. Come, to a finished work. Oh friend, can I invite you today to the finished work of Christ? For you see, the cross is a finished work. I said the cross of Jesus Christ is a finished work. Nothing remains to be done. The account has been settled. The price has been paid. Jesus Christ has paid it in full. Somebody ought to give God praise for the finished work of Calvary. You say, Pastor, don't I need to finish a part of it? Don't I need to add something to it, friend? You can't add to it. It's Jesus plus nothing. Come and dine. Come and sit at the table. For the feast has been laid. It's prepared. and It's ready. Come and dine, the Master calleth. Come and dine. Come and feast at His table all the time. He who fed the multitudes and turned the water into wine. Come and dine. The master calleth. Come and dine. Oh friend. I tell you today there is a table. And a place at that table for you. There is a plate with your name right beside it. Your name. Because God knows you. He loves you. And he has died for you. And he calls you to himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The spirit and the bride say. Come. A call to the unconverted. But then we read in the text, the scripture says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, that the one who hears, come. Today, if you hear his voice, come. Then he calls the second call. He says, Come, those who are thirsty. come and drink of the water of life. Can I tell you today that there is still a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. There is still a flowing stream of life-giving water for the soul. Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I shall give you, You shall never thirst again. (laughs) Hallelujah. There is still a stream of water flowing, fresh and pure, to the heart that is thirsty for God. Today, if you have come into this house... And you have said in your heart, God, I need a breakthrough. God, I am thirsty for you. God, I have to have a manifestation of your life in my life this week. And friend, I have good news for you. Because the Bible said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. They shall be filled. I declare to you by the Spirit this morning that if you are thirsty in your spirit for God that today the famine and the drought is over over your life because he says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness they shall be filled, satisfied. Some of you drank dry the well the world had to offer. You drank it dry. Friends and acquaintances. Substances legal and illegal. Relationships proper and improper. You drank that well till it was dry and your soul still wanted more. You could never find that thing that could satisfy the soul. I could feel the gnawing of your soul. And then you drank the water of life. Have you ever tried Jesus? Have you drank from the stream that He provides? That river which flows, that gives life, it gives hope, it gives joy, it brings revival. It brings restoration. It brings reform to your ways. It brings change to your way of thinking. That river is still flowing and it's flowing right through this church this morning. Because if you are thirsty, He will fill you. To the thirsty, He says, come. And the church, the bride of Christ, must be That place where the sinner can come to find water for the soul. For you see friends, listen church. It's the spirit and the bride. If God is not here, there's no reason to be here. Our preaching is dead. Our singing is dead. We must have the presence of God. You and I, Kingsway Church, must cultivate the presence of God. We must cultivate the presence of God in our daily walk with God, in our life with God. Because it's His presence that makes the difference. It's His presence that gives life to our life. You must make up your mind, I want to live in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be lost in the presence of God. I want my life to be a carrier, a vessel for the presence of God, for the anointing of the Spirit of God. So you and I, if we are that kind of church, we can say to the world, let the thirsty come. There's anointing here. There's grace here. There's life here. The water flows here. Drink from the stream. And Then there's one last call. These first two calls. With the church and the spirit. Crying out to the, to the humanity. That vast multitude. Of humanity saying come. Come to the waters. Come to Christ. This. This. This invitation is urgent because you see there are multitudes of people in our city who do not know Christ. We must be urgent about this call. But the second call is just as urgent. In the first call, the church and the bride, the spirit and the bride call out to the world, come. But in this third call, the spirit and the bride reach out to heaven. Reach out to God as it were. We say to the bridegroom, come. Even so, come Lord Jesus. There is a longing, a cry in the heart of every believer to see him come. There are many in the church today who do not perceive for a moment that he's coming. They don't expect him to come. They don't long to see Him. Because there's a deadness in their relationship to Him. But when the Spirit of God is working in the inside of our heart, it's natural to say to the world, come. And it's natural to say to Christ, Lord Jesus, come. Maranatha, even so, come. Lord Jesus. Friends, I can't wait to see Him. I can't wait to see the radiance of His face brighter than the sun. I can't wait to see His hands scarred for my redemption. I can't wait to see Him come in glory and in might, in majesty. It is the longing of every believer to see the bridegroom come. To hear the shout of heaven, behold, the bridegroom cometh. hallelujah what a savior what a day for the church but I dare say there's some of you this morning who cannot afford for him to come and in the crying of your heart you're saying no no preacher don't let him come yet I'm not ready I'm not ready friend when will you be ready How many sermons? How many preachers? How many Bible texts for you to hear His voice? Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Prepare your heart. Open your heart. Let Him come. Let Him come into your life and change it. For you see, friend, He's coming In an hour when maybe you don't expect He's coming for a bride He's coming for His church Will you be in it? Will you be ready? You say, preacher, how do I get ready? What must I do to prepare? What must I do to be saved? This is a simple question With a simple answer You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ That's it. Faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible said that if you will confess your sin to God, that He is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And this morning, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And the church cries out to God and says, Lord Jesus, come. We long to see you, but before you come, let us receive a harvest of souls for the glory of your grace.